If you don't know your doctrines, you'll lose your foundation. That foundation is what we base our faith on. You know, he talked about salvation, and one of the things, one of the doctrines we're starting for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. He's one that we don't know, we, we know a lot about him, but we're scared to talk about him. You know why? There's denominations that feel like they've got the market on the Holy Spirit. And they don't. The Holy Spirit, when you get saved, guess what? That Holy Spirit indwells you. He's your one, he's the conscience per se to get you to understand what you need to do. And today we're just going to look at the basic aspects of him and never underestimate the Holy Spirit. We always, we always talk about God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit somewhere over here, but they're all three the same. And they're, they're all as powerful, and we're going to look at some of these verses. I've given you some extra verses. If you see the verses on your piece of paper, those are extra verses you need to look up later. But we are going to look at the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And the, the first line says, The Bible attributes divine powers and qualities to the Holy Spirit. So right divine powers and qualities, and let's go ahead and we'll have a word of prayer and we'll get right into this. There's a lot of information that I want you to get tonight, and you're just going to have to follow along with me. I think this is very important, and I'll tell you why in just a second. Lord, I thank you so much for all the things that you've done. Lord, I, I know that um, sometimes when we look at doctrines, it's hard to understand it, but these, these are very simple doctrines. We need to p apply these to, to our lives and understand what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do in our life. Lord, it says not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And then we say, we, well, later on, we'll look at the fruits of the Spirit. Lord, there's things that you want us to do and things how you want us to act. And that Holy Spirit is there to teach us. It's not only there to teach us, but it's there to comfort us. And we are so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit with us. Lord, may we truly understand all these aspects tonight as we build upon these for the next three weeks. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've looked at the, the doctrine of God, and we've looked at how He created, and we looked at the doctrine of Christ, how He was a man and a God, and we looked at all those, and, and He was just as much man as He was God. He ne it never took anything away from Him. He was the one that died on a cross for us. He had to be our sacrifice. The Holy Spirit wasn't our sacrifice. The, the, the Savior was our, our sacrifice. And so tonight we're going to look <clears throat> at the, the attributes of the Holy Spirit. And why is this important? And if you don't understand this, and if you don't understand this, and if you don't understand this, and if you don't understand your faith and you don't understand these doctrines, it will confuse you when someone comes and talks to you about things. The Holy Spirit is one that people will say, well, this is what the Holy Spirit told me. We blame the Holy Spirit on certain things. But the Holy Spirit can't do any wrong either. He's not going to direct you contrary to the Word, just like we said God would not do that. He's not going to direct you contrary to the Word, just like we said Jesus would not do that. And so we're going to look at this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit when it comes to the Trinity, and I want you to see this. He has certain divine powers and qualities. They work together. And what's interesting, when you study this Word, you'll find the Holy Spirit all the way through this Bible. You see Him in the Old Testament, you see Him in the New Testament. And when you, when you look at it, there's nothing that contradicts itself. I use this as an example. People say, well, I don't understand about this Trinity. Nothing can be a Trinity. Sure, there, there's Trinities in front of you. And I always use the trinity of water. You have steam, you have ice, and you have water. They're the same thing, they're just in different forms. You know, if you take the steam and you, and you manipulate it, it can turn into water. And then if you freeze it, guess what? It'll turn into ice. 
And so when you look at this, you've got to understand how these three work together. They don't fight against each other. They work together simultaneously, and they're always doing the right thing. Praise the Lord for that. So we're going to look at these, and some of these attributes, the first three are attributes that we've talked about God with and Christ. And, and so I want you to look at the first one. And this, the first one is omniscient. Omniscient. He's all-knowing. Aren't you thankful that the, the, the spirit that dwells in you is all-knowing? He, he doesn't have to go, okay, God, what do we need to do this? Okay, son, what do we have to do with this? He is, he is God just as much as those two, and he knows what's going on. He's all-knowing. Look at this verse, John, the verse that's written down. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. A lot of times we just look at this, that he's the Comforter, but he's teaching as he goes. This is John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26. He's teaching you all things because he teaches you these all things because he knows all things. I am so thankful I have a God that knows everything. Because there's a lot of, people, a lot of gods that men have made up, they don't know everything. And some of their, some of their doctrines change. Our doctrine has never changed. I was telling someone just recently, I am not a Baptist because someone told me I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist because I believe what this Bible says and I think it lines up with what I believe. And here he's omniscient. And then it says, and bring th all things to remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. So he's omniscient. The next one is omnipotent. He has all-knowing, he has all power. And we see this in this verse, you say, well, this is a Christmas verse. You can't read this in, in, in March. Look at this verse. It says, And the angel answered unto her and said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Here it's talking about the virgin birth, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is the one that set all that up. And that's pretty powerful. There's not another miracle like that on earth. The only other miracle that I can think would be the creation, but this is even bigger because it goes against everything that's in our being. There's no way we could say, hey, you're going to have a baby. Who's the father? I don't know. But the Holy Spirit's the one that did that because he's all powerful. That's something we've got to realize. It says that, and the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon me. That was his job. This is an attribute of one of the powers, the qualities that he had. So we have that he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful. And what's the next one? Everywhere. Uh, omnipresent. He's everywhere. And watch the wording on this. In, I don't know if I gave you that verse. The verse above it is Luke chapter 1, verse 35. The angel answered and said unto her, Omnipresent is Psalm 139, 7, and 8. Look at this verse. It says, Whether shall I go from thy spirit... Whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I send up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. You can't get away from it. That's why when, when I read the book of Jonah, it amazes me that a prophet said that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. He couldn't do that. The men in the ship, when it was tossed to and fro, they knew he couldn't do that. In fact, they, 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 they were converted later on because they saw what happened with the whale and how the storm ended. 
But the own, their own prophet said, listen, I am going to flee from the presence of the Lord. You can't do that. You can't flee from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're always everywhere. And we talked about that when He was on the earth. It was a different thing for Christ, but it wasn't different for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's been everywhere at all places, all times. And we've got to understand that. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. That's an interesting statement at the very end. He's everywhere. This Holy Spirit that indwells us is everywhere. Go to the next one. And it, so we've seen that He's omniscient, omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's eternal. You might write eternity on that. Because when we look at the next verse, it's Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. And it says this, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. It's saying that he was basic, he's always been. The God that created the earth always was. That's why when they asked him who he was, what was his two words? I am. That was referring to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Remember when the creation was made, what did it say? That, 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 that Adam was created in our image. That's a reference back to the Trinity. It wasn't just God, it wasn't God, the Son, it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Sometimes as Baptists, we're scared to death to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because it means being slain in the Spirit, you've got to run around. That's not what it's talking about here. The Holy Spirit indwells me and He tells me what to do. He's my conscience. He's my spiritual conscience. And so we've got to understand that. He's always been there. Now, this next verse, Ephesians chapter 4, you go to number 5. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. You know what else he is? Just like God, just like Christ, he's holy. He's a holy part of the Trinity. Look at what this says. It says in this verse, it's on your paper. It says in Hebrews chapter, um, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You say, well, what's that got to do with the Holy Spirit? How do you grieve the Holy Spirit, even in His own name, He's got holy. So we know He's holy. But how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? By doing something that is unholy. That's how you grieve Him. By not following His example, not following His leadership. It's just like when you were a, when you were a child and you didn't listen to your mom and dad. You were not following their example. Here, the Holy Spirit tells us. How many of you, if we were just to be honest with ourselves, has ever done something you knew you shouldn't have done, and the Holy Spirit convicted you right when that, before you did it, while you were doing it, after it was over? If we were honest with ourselves, that Holy Spirit's always there. And I'm thankful for that. If you would, you'd look at the Holy Spirit as a GPS. It's pointing you the right direction. And I wonder how many times our GPS, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, goes mis, um, recalculating because we've went the wrong direction. There's been times when I, I know the Holy Spirit has said, you need to do this. I didn't do it. You know what I've done? I've grieved the Holy Spirit because He is a Holy Spirit. One of His attributes is He's holy. What does that mean? He can't have bad things to Him. He can't have that. He is a perfect Holy Spirit. And sometimes we overlook that aspect of Him. 
And if he's indwelling us and we're doing things wrong, what are we doing? We're grieving him. Remember that the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit? You can't be filled with two things at one time. You're either going to have the Holy Spirit indwelling you and filling you, or you're going to have something that's aggravating Him or, or unholy to Him, and He's not going to like that. This compass that you have, you need to follow. How many of you believe that God has the best interest in your life? I do. When you have let Him down, what happens? When you fall short, what happens? You're grieving the Holy Spirit. And when you grieve the Holy Spirit, He will correct you. Mark it down. If He doesn't try to correct you, you're in a bad situation. I think one of the saddest verses when it comes to, um, what's the guy's name? Samson. Is when he doesn't even realize that God's not with him anymore. And he gets up and he thinks, I'm going to slay these Philistines. What happens? He didn't follow what God had told him. He lost his eyesight. He lost his strength. He didn't do what God wanted him to do. What if Noah wouldn't have built that ark? Hmm. What if, John, what if, what if Daniel had not prayed when he was supposed to pray? These guys were all directed by something. And we are directed by the Holy Spirit. If you're a saved individual in this room, the Holy Spirit is indwelling you. He is directing you what you should say, what you shouldn't say, what you should look at, what you shouldn't look, look at, what you should listen to, what you shouldn't listen to. He's the one that's doing this. But you grieve Him by doing unholy actions. Not only this, and I, I like this, He's an absolute truth. He's an absolute truth. Nothing is false about him. And we'll see that in just a second. John chapter 16, verse 13 says this, How be it when ye, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whosoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you the things to come. It's telling you that he's not going to tell you a lie. He's all about the truth. And this goes back, remember what they called Christ? I am the way the truth, and the life. Well, the Holy Spirit's truth. And it's an absolute truth. He's not, he does not have, have the capability to lie to you. And the Holy Spirit, if, if, if you think about God, He can see the what? The past, the present, and the future. Why do you think the Holy Spirit um, directs you in that direction? Because He's trying to get you to do what you need, not only for the present, but for the future. Amen? How many of you believe that? I mean, God's going to direct you where you need to go. And the Holy Spirit's that direction. He's going to be that GPS is going to send you. If you make a wrong turn, He's going to have to correct you. And when He corrects you, sometimes it's not good. I don't like to be, I don't like to be corrected. How many of you like to be corrected? I don't think anybody in here say, oh, just bring it on. I like people to do that. I don't like that. And the Holy Spirit does that to me all the time. Hey, you should have said this. You should have done that. You should have given them something. You should have not, not done that. And that Holy Spirit's constantly inside of you, showing you, but you've got to feed Him. You've got to be filled by this Holy Spirit. And so here, He's the truth. Not only is He the truth in number seven, six, but He also is, verse number seven, just like Christ is, He's life. He's life. And that's found in Romans chapter eight, verse two. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 2. I don't know if I told you the verse before. It's John 16, verse 13. But Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of the sin and death. Here, by its own words, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He's the one that gives you life. He's the one that is there for you. We pray to God the Father and God the Son, but the Holy Spirit, is much. to me, He's more personal to me. He's the one that tells me what to do. He's the one that directs me. He's the one that tells me how to have my attitude. He's the one that tells me when to do this and when to do that. The Holy Spirit has, has power and He has qualities that we need to look at. So these are the ones, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, eternal, holy, truth, and life. Those are some good words if someone said that about you, wouldn't it be? Other than the first three. If, if people said you were the truth and you had life in you, you know where I get my life? It's not from me, it's from Christ. It's from God. It's from the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the next one. The Holy Spirit divine works are. Well, what does He do? Does He just sit around telling you what to do? No, there's some jobs that He did in the Bible and, and some of them He still does. But let's look at the first one. The Holy Spirit divine works are the work of creation. He was involved in creation. Say, so why is that important? Because He's the Trinity. He was there. Job 33 verse 4 says, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Job tells you that he was made by the Holy Spirit. That means he was a creator. It doesn't mean it was just Job. It goes all the way back and all the way to the present. He is the one that made us. He was in creation. Now, most people don't acquire him when you say about creation because we always think that it's just God the Father. But it's not. It's all three of them. It's not only God the Father. It's God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You say, why is that so important? Because they work in unity. They don't fight against each other. Now, some of them have particular jobs, but right here it says that he was a crea in the creation. The work of regeneration. The work of regeneration. The work of regeneration. The work of regeneration. And the, the, the verse we have here is Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Titus is a preacher, and here's what's written to him. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to the mercies He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's saying He regenerates us. He gives us what we need. I'm hoping by the time these four weeks are over that you understand really what the Holy Spirit's job is. Because sometimes we're scared of it. He's, he's a create, he, he was in work of creation, work of regeneration. Now this next one, He's the work of resurrecting believers from the dead. And there's two references to it. You can read the other one later, but for sake of time, look at this verse that's written. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His what? Spirit, capital S. By His Spirit that dwelleth in you. He's the one that resurrected. He had a part of that resurrection. And when we are carried off under Christ, help us get there. Help us get there. It's great to have a God that's got everything working. Amen? 
It's great to have a God that's everywhere at all times, all-powerful, all-knowing. And that Holy Spirit is just like that. The Holy Spirit indwells us, and I am so thankful that He does these things for us. So His work of creation, regeneration, and resurrection are there. Now I want you to see this. This is something that you've got to see. The Holy Spirit has personality. There's some things that He has when we look at it. The first one, you know what the Holy Spirit has? He has a will. Now, will His will conflict Jesus and conflict God? No. They're always going to go the same direction. But He does have a will. Let's look at this verse that's in here. It says in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, But all these worketh that one of the selfsame Spirit divided to every man severally as he will. He will give you, he will give you some aspects of your life. Look at this, it says, but all these that worketh, that one, the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. What's he talking about here? Some gifts that he gave you. People say, well, I don't have any gifts. The Neils came up and sang. There's some people in here, I couldn't give you money to sing. I don't think you'd come up here and sing. I think if I called on Russ and said, do you want to sing a solo? I think, and his wife would go, please, please, Pastor, don't send him up here to do a solo. It's maybe not a gift that he has. Some of us don't have a gift of gab. Some of us do. I look around, there's some people in here that like to talk, amen? And God can use that, but be very careful because Satan can use it too, amen? Everything that God gives you can be used for him or against him. What's the ultimate situation with this. What's the ultimate creature that was done that way? Satan himself. What was Satan's number one responsibility? To glorify God. What was one of the things that he did? He glorified God through music. Now what's he done? He's ran down God through music. And he's done all these different things that he wasn't created to do. What happened? It's called pride. And so here we have the Holy Spirit He's got a will, and he's going, to show you his, he's going to show you your will, what the will of God is for your life. You know, teenagers will sit there and go, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Well, ask him. Read his word. Talk to him. He's not one that's got a little secret and say, okay, I'm going to tell you if you do this. I didn't know where God was going to send me when I first got in ministry. We went to Illinois first. I had no idea about this church. Then we went to California. How many of you have lived in California? I know Larry Hilton's lived in California. Uh, we got one that lives in, in California. I better watch it. My daughter's in California. I, California, I didn't like. I like to see grass every so often that was watered by God, not sprinkler systems. It's just not what I like. But here it says, listen, he will give you several to your ability. You just got to ask him what those are. I don't have a problem if a man says, I can't pray in public. Some people just don't like to talk in public. That's not an issue to me. I'm not going to go, oh man, you must not be a spiritual person. That's not the case. Just maybe that's not your ability. Aren't you thankful that everybody's not like you? Wow. Can you imagine a world with everybody like you? Our, first, our, our first daughter is like her mother, somewhat. The second one that's sitting here is like me. Someone said, you know what, I got to talk to Meredith. I think she's more like you than your, than, than your wife. I said, probably. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? They didn't answer that question. 
not for you, but for me. But you know, as, as I look at this, God makes us all different. Opposites attract, amen? My wife and I are totally opposite with certain things. You know, I, I, I just think, how opposite could we be? But you know what? That brings spice in our life, amen? Because you know what? We have two different opinions. I found out real quick when we bought this house. The house is not mine, it's hers, amen? Don't try to do things without asking her. And if you do do things, you better ask her and ask her what color she wants it to be because that's going to matter also, amen? But as we look at this, sometimes we thought my own will, no, my own will, no, Christ and God and the Holy Spirit gives you a will, tells you what you need to do. Look at that verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. The Holy Spirit has a will, and He also abides with us. It says, But all these worketh that one of these selfsame Spirit, divided to every man severally as He will. He also, and number two, He also has a mind. He thinks. He thinks ahead. And that's just obvious that He does that. That's in Romans chapter 8, verse 27. Romans chapter 8, verse 27. And He that searcheth his heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I love that verse. You know why? Because sometimes I pray wrong. You ever prayed wrong? That's what that verse is talking about. Read it one more time. And he that searches the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. Sometimes we pray the wrong way. You ever prayed for something? And if you'd have got it, it would have been the worst thing you ever, ever had? And so what the Holy Spirit does is He figures out what you need and He'll go talk to God and maybe change what you prayed. See. Wonderful to see. Have you ever made a prideful prayer? Have you ever prayed your wants rather than your needs? Whoa. We're Baptists. We do that all the time. Amen. If I only had this. God, you know how good of a person I am. Could you please give me this? And God looks back and the Holy Spirit goes, he doesn't need that. She doesn't need that. If we give it to him, it'll be their demise. We've got to understand that God, that the Holy Spirit does this. He has a, he has a, a mind, a brain. In Romans chapter 8, verse 27. Number three, he says he has thought, knowledge, and words. Let's turn to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to look at 10 through 13. It's long, so I didn't put it in there, but I want you to look at this. It says, but God, as you turn to it, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 13, it says this, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, and these are both capital S's, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but, with, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. He says, basically, he, he has words to tell you. He has application for you to have in your life. He has that thought. He has that knowledge. The, our God that we serve doesn't look on the first level. He looks on 10, 11 levels down. That's why, that's why I play checkers, and I don't play chess. You ever played somebody that knows, plays, how many love to play chess? I'm very good at it. Raise your hand. Okay. I don't like it because you have to think two things in advance. 
I do one move and it's like, where did that come from? I like playing checkers. Because checkers doesn't take as much brain power as chess does and you just move one time at a time and you're trying to figure out, okay, if I move here, I'm safe. If not, I'm out. But, but you know, as you look at chess, you have to think 10, 12 moves away. I've played chess with some of these kids in, in our Christian school that were on the chess club and they'd beat me in seven moves. And I would try and they would, they would let me play and I could never get them in checkmate. I could get them in check, but not checkmate. And I could tell one boy, he was like just staring at me, just looking at me and I knew what he was doing. He's toying with me. I didn't like that. I mean, I want to win if I play a sport or a game and I didn't want him to do this. And I, and I said, you're doing this on purpose. Quit doing it. I kept getting him in checkmate. And he goes, he goes, and then he told me, he goes, in four moves, I'm going to beat you. I said, uh-uh, there's one. And he just looked at me and shook his head. I was like, what does that mean? And so he, he kept going and, and I thought, sure enough, in four moves, he had me in checkmate. I said, how long have you been doing this? He goes, I've been playing for about three or four years. I said, no, how long have you been toying with me when we were playing this game? I didn't like that. Because I can't think in advance. The Holy Spirit can think in advance. He's got the words. He's got the thought process. He knows exactly what he needs to do. Sad thing is verse number four. He can be lied to. Let's turn to this. This is a sad story in the Bible. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Everybody knows the story. It says, but a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Kept part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, meaning that she knew about it, and brought a certain part, laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to thee what? Holy Ghost. It didn't say God, it didn't say Christ, it said the Holy Ghost. What's interesting about this story is, he was in church, he was giving to the church, and yet he lied to the Holy Ghost. Be very careful that you do not lie to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, and we're just going to get into something just real quick, we'll look at it a little bit later, but he can be lied to. Hmm. And not only can he be lied to, and, and number five, he can be grieved. We've already read this verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of, of redemption. Grieve means saddened. Why is he saddened? Because he's God and he's holy. And he doesn't like unholy things. And we were created in his image to serve him. And when we don't, guess what? He gets grieved. It's just that simple. When you don't do what's right, you just, we think, well, if we could just pray this prayer and say, okay, I'm sorry for what I did, you're still grieving the Holy Spirit. That sight of God that really hurts when we do things wrong. Because that's not why we were created. I wonder how many times this week we've grieved Him by what we've done. Our actions, our thoughts, our words. God doesn't want us to do that. The Holy Spirit is grieved. We use that word, what? Usually when it comes to death. They're grieving over someone. That's a pretty deep, saddened state, correct? And here it says the Holy Spirit is grieved by our actions. And grieve not the Holy Spirit. And this is the one that's really in-depth, and we'll look at it later, but he can also be blasphemed. And I want to give you some, I want, I want to talk to you really quick about this. He can be blasphemed. 
The verse that's found in your book, in your, on your listing, is Mark chapter 3, verse 29. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Better not. This is something that Baptist preachers don't like to preach against because it's a very difficult subject to preach against. But can I tell you, we need to quit blaspheming God. And there are people that do that. I have known two, and I, th I think I shared with this, I have known two professional athletes that on both occasions, they have said on a good day, Jesus Christ could not stop me. And I don't even know why they would even say that because he wasn't even in sporting events. But both of those, one died of brain cancer and the other one got a back injury and could never hardly play again. We better watch what we say about the Holy Spirit. I want you to look at some things. We're gonna, I want you to look at Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, and we're going to look at it. one more verse that's not in there. I want you to write it down. Revelation chapter 22, and we're going to look at 18 and 19. <clears throat> 18 and 19 says this, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Whew. What are some of those plagues? There are a lot of plagues in the Bible. There's boils, there's sores, there's hail that comes down. What's he saying? You're not to add to or take away. Look at the next verse. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God shall take away his part, uh, his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. It really makes it sound like you're not supposed to mess with the Holy Spirit. Right? Hmm. Let's go to one more verse and then I'm going to kind of explain something to you and we'll be done. Go to 2 Peter. This is not found in your notes, but go to 2 Peter. And I want you to turn 2 Peter. Oh, it's right here. 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look at three verses here and I want you to see this. 2 Peter chapter 1. Not the wrong one. And verse number 19 through 21. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the holy, what? Ghost. This book was written by men where the Holy Ghost filled their minds and told them what to write. It wasn't words that they wrote. It was words that were penned from the Holy Ghost giving them that. Some books I don't understand. I don't understand Jonah. I don't understand why at the very end he never turned his life around like everybody else did. But for some reason he wants us to understand that we can be just like Jonah. Right? You say, why is this dangerous? When I was at the, um, Brookdale um, this Saturday, they handed me a bunch of Bibles. I took those Bibles, I looked at them. Did you know that the King James Bible is not copyrighted? Did you know that? It's not copyrighted. It's not about the money. But they gave me another one and I opened the front and I looked at it. It's copyrighted. 
And it's not just, now I have Bibles that are King James Bibles that are copyrighted. What it means by is the people that wrote in them, what their writings were, were copyrighted. Not the Bible itself. We better be very careful. That's why translations are very, very scary when these guys do this. Especially when you see that there's a copyright in them. You know what that tells me? They're in it for the money. They're not in it for the translation. I have many different translations in my, in my book, in my um, thing. I don't study them, but people, I find them. People leave them around, and, and so I take them, and I look at them, and I see what's, what, what's there. But you know what? They're taking and adding things all the time. You know what they really take out a lot in most of them? The NIV takes out a lot of blood issues. And last time I checked that Christ had to shed his blood for, for remission of sins. So we better be very careful with this book that we hold in our hand. I'm not one that's going to, I'm not a King James Bible thumper. I'm not going to thump you on the head and tell you, but I want to tell you, this is the book. This is the book that we need to have. This is the translation that's brought from the right translation. And it's not made for money. That when I read the copyright on that, Mrs. Shoup, I was amazed at what it said. You can quote a thousand verses, but not in its entirety. Just quotes. Just quotes. Just quotes. 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 This is not about money. Read what that verse just said. Go to it one more time. It says knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. If I have a personal opinion when I'm preaching, I'll tell you that. I tell you, I want you to study God's Word. I am not your priest. You need to read your Word of God. It's not about what I think. And I'll give you an example. I said this to the teenagers way back when, and one of them, Brother Gardner's daughter went off the wall rails and she was going after me. I made the statement. I said, I believe that Jonah died in the well and God brought him back. And I get that from the New Testament where he says, and this is my personal opinion, you can debate me if you want, when it says like Jesus was in the tomb for three days just as Jonah was in the whale, well, Jesus was dead and so is Jonah at that point. And you can't tell me if someone swallowed a whale, you'd think he'd be alive. Alan, if you saw someone be swallowed by a whale, would you think come back three days to see if he gets popped out of it? You'd think he was dead. Well, that's not what the Bible stories say as a child. That he was living in there and he was playing with that little thing in the back of his throat and hitting it. You know, you've seen the pictures. Where do you get that at? Says, well, he prayed in there. Well, I'd pray in there too. But I don't know how I'd survive with oxygen not being down there. Said that he went all the way down to the mountains. Because the sea had mountains. And I'm just trying to illustrate to you, that's my personal opinion. It's not going to change your salvation. It's just an opinion. You can believe what you want to believe. You can believe wrong if you want to believe wrong. I'm just kidding. But, you know, as we look at these, we've got to realize that I'm not taking away anything from the Scriptures. But these people that are taking these translations and doing what they want with them, they're messing with something that is holy. We better be very careful with that. The Holy Ghost does not take that lightly. He does not take it lightly. He knows why the scriptures were written. We've got to get back to understand what the Holy Spirit's job is. You better not grieve him and you better not blaspheme him. It scares me how flippantly 
people use. God's Word, God's names, just so easy. When you study the people that, that did the Scriptures, the scribes, what would they do? When they would come to Jehovah Jireh, they would take one pen move, and when that pen would come up off the ground, they would take it, throw it away, go take a shower, clean themselves, come back with another pen, do one more swoop when that thing come up, they would drop it, they would go take a shower. You know why? Because it was holy to them. In America, sometimes we don't know what's holy. We've got to get back to understanding that it's the Holy Bible. We have a holy God. We have a holy Son. And we have a Holy Spirit. Don't grieve Him this week. Don't do it. He, you'll know when you do something wrong. Right? How many of you know when you do something wrong? And it's not because mommy and daddy told you. Because the Holy Spirit indwells you. And He teaches you what you need to do. That's His job. And I am so thankful He's there. Because sometimes I go on my own way. And it's not right.